what Evan was teaching me was, listen, at first it's going to be really hard, but your, your business is going to be based on idea flow. And so this doesn't tie to time. This is tied to results on, you know, how much you can deliver for clients. One idea, if it can make a client five, six figures, you know, who cares how much time you're putting in if you can charge X, Y amount. But that was eventually to get to the big channels, right? But in the meantime, it was just a slow buildup of small clients, small clients. And then eventually I got that one big client who, who did give me a chance and I, I blew their channel up. So who is the big client? I'm not able to say it. Oh, okay. Can, can, we talk about, can we talk about scale and could, can you talk about niche at all? Like what niche was it or is that? Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were a podcaster, huge in the space. Um, like they had half a million subs at the time. And they, like, they had all the content. They just weren't optimizing YouTube. And so when I got that opportunity to work with them, this was my big first client where I was charging a lot more. The accountability was super high for this one client. I even fired some clients just so I could really like over-deliver for this one person. I took that person from half a million to 1.5 million in one year. Wow. Um, subscribers. How, how much I were you charging it. them? It was four figures at the time. Per month? Yeah. Yeah, per month. And now, you know, as, as they scale and I implement more ideas, my idea flow gets bigger. And so I can charge five figures per month. And that's when it gets like exponential working with big clients. But uh, I got them to 1.5 million because they were a podcast channel and I blew them up. That's when I initiated phase two of, hey, let's refer me to your clients. You can take a portion of the cut and you refer me to your, all your friends you interview who have a YouTube channel. Mm. That's smart. Like, like getting them on the back end as well. Like uh, taking yeah. care of them on the back end. Yeah. And from there it was like, how do I get 12 to 15 clients who I can like cultivate a chessboard of these top clients who will charge, I can charge, you know, multiple four or five figures per month and focus on them. So it wasn't even to blow up into, you know, a hundred clients. It was like me being very specific, very niche. Who has the money in this industry? And what do I what do I like to enjoy like learning about? The whole irony is like everyone I read in uh, college and watched on YouTube, it's like it's come full circle where they helped me, where now I'm in a place I can help them. It's just like it's so strange. That's the coolest thing, man. Like you can become an expert, like something very niche, and be super helpful to those people who've added a bunch of value to your life. So that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Jeremy, and you're listening to episode number 23 of Backstage Career, the podcast where I interview the people who are working behind the scenes with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creators out there. In today's episode, I'm talking to Jeremy Stickney, who's the right-hand man and business partner of Evan Carmichael. If you don't recognize that name, trust me, you've probably seen some of his YouTube videos. If you ever watch a video that sounds a little bit like Top 10 Rules of Success by insert a big business or celebrity name. That's a video by Evan Carmichael. So what's interesting about Jeremy's story is that he started working for Evan for free while he was working as a deli slicer in a grocery store. And this is when he was like 22 years old or something like that. But within six months, he ended up starting a business together with Evan. And today he's making more than he used to make on a yearly basis, but on a monthly basis. And that's through his business with Evan, uh, which is YouTube Consulting. And we'll get into the nitty-gritty details of that. So if you're interested in working with one of the people you look up to, but you also want to start your own business, then you're going to love this episode. 
I know I did. All right, so without further ado, let's dive in. I think a good place to start, like I always like to start at the beginning. Can you kind of paint a picture of like what was your life in high school? Like I mentioned <laughs> before, like we, we both kind of struggled with like some learning disabilities. So I'd love to, to hear what, what those were for you and how that formed your experience of high school. Yeah, so high school was rough for me in the sense that like I wasn't bullied or anything in that regard. But I just, you know, I wasn't a cool kid or anything like that. I was just kind of kept to myself. When it came to classes, I felt everyone knew more than me <laughs> regarding everything. So mm-hmm. I always took applied, right? There was no chance I'm taking university level, you know, math, science. Like that was just... And when I heard people talk about physics, like my brain would just seize over. (laughs) So yeah, when it came to school, uh, multiple learning disabilities, English, math, I would go to learning strategies class. You know, you're kind of embarrassed to walk to that class because you Mm -hmm. feel, you know, you don't want anyone to see you, right? Because it's like a, it's a shame. And so high school was rough for me. I never, I never got honor roll or none of that stuff, right? I never got the grades, but uh, I always knew somehow that school didn't really matter. (laughs) Like, I don't know if it was like some internal thing, like, you know, skipping class. I wasn't a bad kid, but I just knew school didn't matter that much. Uh, Because what they teach in school, it's not really practical for real world experience and pathways, unless you're trying to become a doctor or a lawyer. So uh, a lot of stuff. What what do you want to be in high school? I had no idea. Uh, The only thing I could imagine was like me sitting at a high rise office desk, looking out, being successful. You want to be a boss. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Like there was no job label. When you, when you take that class about like, what do you want to do in life? Yeah. I just want to sit in a high rise office. (laughs) That's it. So, but I knew it was going to be like nothing conventional. Like there was, it was going to be something weird something that I could control. I just, I had no idea how to get there. So, you know, at the end of high school, uh, I went to Seneca College, which is a local college in Canada. I saw everyone going to university. So I just felt like I had to do something. Otherwise, I was going to be a failure. So I just took hotel and restaurant management, nothing I was interested at, nothing that piqued my curiosity. You just kind of do it because everyone's doing it, right? Why, why, why that one? Like, even though you didn't have an interest, like, why was that like, uh, like the, the main major at that college or? Uh, yeah. And, uh, I just liked cooking. I liked okay. hotels. So it was like, Oh, that's so it was like cool, a flat affinity for it. Yeah. It was more so like, I want to own that. I don't want to work in it. <laughs> so I just took it, you know, very naive and quickly realized like, this is not for me. College, no, there's no way. So I stayed there for two years and just, I left after that. <laughs> no degree, no nothing. Just curious again about the learning disability. What, um, what speci- if you don't mind sharing, like what specifically uh, were you diagnosed with? I'm not too sure exactly what it was. Okay. Um, more so grammar, spelling. When it came to math, anything besides multiplication, division, like that was out the door. Uh-huh. <laughs> my, my brain would just shut down. So those were the two big ones. But uh, I'd later find out like ADHD, um, perhaps a bit. They never told me that. But in terms of just how my my brain works, idea flow and how I see opportunities versus like doing manual work. Yeah, yeah, it is. uh, It is something that's become a a plus for me now in my business. But uh, it's funny because a lot of the learning disabilities they gave me, like not being able to read, you know, poor grammar, poor spelling, can't do math. It's like 
the disabilities I have in those sections are very specific. If you want to be a doctor, if you want to be like, yeah. a professor, if you want to like learn to invest, multiplication division is the only thing you need, really. If you, yeah. you know, if you want to, you know, read f- nonfiction books and learn, like that's super practical. Uh, and I could do that because I didn't, I wasn't dyslexic. So yeah, it was just, uh, it was just interesting what they diagnosed me with. Is, they made it seem so severe and pulling me out of certain classes when in fact it was like, okay, this that's stuff crazy. So they didn't even, even matter. It doesn't seem like they diagnosed you with anything in particular. It was just like, oh, you're not that good at these subjects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've been actually looking through, I've been trying to find the files. Like, what exactly was I diagnosed with? I know grammar and spelling uh, was a big one. Yeah. And it's funny, like, when they labeled me that, I just assumed, okay, always stay applied, no matter what subject. Yeah. Like, yeah. just stay applied, stay college level learning. Don't go to university level. Don't Don't try and do this because you've been labeled as... Yeah, just disabled in some way when it's just like, oh my God. Like when I look back at how low my grades were in school, now I'm probably, you know, one of the the people who's actually doing the best out of my entire year. Yeah. Um, It's just kind of, it's it's just funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times those things, like you said, the idea flow and all that stuff, like, can be a superpower. You know, it's like your brain functions a little differently and. It's just not right for like the the rigid like school system, but um yeah ha- happy to talk. Let's talk about it after the interview. I I, I have so much to, to say <laughs> about that as well because I, I kind of went through something similar. But um I cut you off. You're saying so you did two years of college, two years of college. I realized I went to college to realize I didn't need college. That's pretty much how it goes. I feel like that's how most people figure it out. Yeah, I was willing to embrace it. I was taking a class at college around because it's hotel and restaurant management around how to fold laundry. And I was just (laughs) like, I was like, you know, I, if I want to be a maid, no offense to maids, like I would just go into the hotel and just apply for a job. Why am I taking a college class on this? So I instantly walked out on the way back on the bus. I saw Indigo's, which is like a bookstore of chapters. I think you guys have Barnes and Noble, and I was so mad, I got off the bus and just walked into the bookstore because I'm like, okay, either I have to find a way to learn or I'm going to be just not successful in life. So I know school did nothing besides teaching me the, you know, how to read and, you know, how, how to speak English and stuff yeah. like that. But besides that, actual success, I knew it was a waste of time to go to school. So I wasn't going to be a doctor or lawyer. So I went into a bookstore. I went to the nonfiction section and never read a nonfiction book in my life because they don't recommend that in school. They're always telling you to read like Shakespeare or something like that. Mm-hmm. I picked up a book on uh, Robert Herchevik, who's a shark on Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, around how to be successful and, and learn business. I stopped going to class and just read that book. We had an exam coming up in one of our business classes. Now, mind you, I haven't been attending for like a month. What was the class specifically? Business leadership. Okay. So I went to that class and I just, like, I was highlighting, I was reading this Robert Herchevik book, right? Uh, very super simple to understand because he also, I'm pretty sure, has learning disabilities. Uh, you know, 
Uh, so he made the book very understand, very easy to read, right? Shakespeare, on the other hand, not so easy to read, right? Yeah, and a lot, a lot of the business writing is like, it's like simple. Like, how do you use the less, the less words and like the, the simplest words, right? Which, which, uh, yeah, which is great. <laughs> so I went to that class and I got 80% on the exam without any like knowledge of the material. It was me reading this book and providing like the solutions. Like, what do you do in this situation? Oh, I read this in the book. I will apply this leadership strategy or this negotiation tactic. And that's when I realized like, oh, okay. So for this $20 book, I just got 80% on an exam on a course that costed me thousands of dollars. Cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I realized, all right, scrap school. Let's try and read a book every two weeks and then get that down to a week. So I started picking up nonfiction books and that became my learning stability uh, while working at a grocery store. So uh, real quick, after that class, did you like officially drop out? Did you stop going to classes? What did your parents think of the decision? Uh, did they know? Did they know? You know, just a little context on that. I didn't drop out because my program was only two years, but I did stop going to classes. Uh, I would still go to school, but I would stay in the cafeteria. I wouldn't go to class. So my parents didn't know. Okay. But uh, by that time, after the first year, my final year, I was done. You're living with them still, right? In college? or? Uh, yeah, in college at the time I okay. was. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this was like when I was 19, around 19 years old. So I, love I, was, <laughs> I was in the cafeteria, stopped going to class. And just started reading reading these nonfiction books because again, these people who were writing them very successful. Most of them had learning disabilities, and they broke it down into very practical chunks around how to be successful, how to make money. And so your new curriculum was like one book every two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then how do I get that down to one book uh, a week? So it was a dabble of you know audio books. When I go for a walk, I would listen to audio books. When I was in the cafeteria, I would read books. I would start watching YouTube interviews from podcasters who I really looked up to. And, you know, Evan Carmichael, who's now my business partner, I would watch his, you know, he has a video, Top 10 Rules of Success on People. Mm -hmm. And I would start listening to those. So it was just a combination of like all the material you want there to be successful is out there. Like, oh, yeah. You just type in Google how to become a millionaire or, you know, <laughs> how to how to find a job with no degree. Like you just type anything out there. You'll have all these resources come up, books, audiobooks, podcasts, interviews. Just people don't actively search for this stuff. They still think that you have to go to school and, you know, get good grades and write a resume and all this stuff. But no one really cares about that anymore. Right. So, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's when I realized, OK, this isn't going to work. I didn't even attend my graduation. That's how much I didn't care. Um, so were you still taking exam? Because you said you had, was this a four-year program? Or? Uh, two years. Oh, okay, okay. So this was towards the end of the program. Yeah. And so you still, you, you were able to go until graduation. You were just like winging the, the last exams or? Yeah. Yeah. And I passed with probably like 50, 60%, something like that, you know, like nothing, yeah. you know, unless business, I did really well in business because of these books, but anything to do with, again, math or. Okay. And so then you graduate and what's, uh, what's the next, I'm guessing you don't get, uh, you don't get a job at a hotel. Right? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm working at a grocery store. Yeah. So I, I was working there well in college and I just kept working there after college. It's just so, like stocking. 
uh, like bagging. Yeah, stuff, I, was a, bagging. I was a deli slicer. You're a deli slicer. Nice. Yeah. So if you ever needed lunch meat, I was your guy at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I was terrified after college because I'm like, oh shit, you know, I don't have a, I'm never going to use this resume or anything. I, I'm just going to work at this call, uh, this grocery store and figure it out. And that's when I leaned heavy into the interviews and, you know, how do I, how do I be successful? And it just occurred to me, like, I need to get mentored by someone who's already there, who's already successful. So where, where did that idea come from? Uh, the Third Door, the book by Alex Benayan, I think is his last name. Yeah. That's when I figured out, okay, you know, resume isn't going to cut it. College, university isn't going to cut it. I need to find someone who's living my ideal lifestyle that could teach me everything they know. And that way I'll accelerate faster than anyone taking, you know, university or college program. So through the books, through the interviews I was watching on YouTube of these entrepreneurs, I figured out that Evan Carmichael, one of the channels I was watching, he actually lived in Toronto, Canada. So I was like, oh my God, you know, most of these people live in LA, New York. Here's and, a guy. And you lived in Toronto at the time already? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So he like, this guy is like within an hour from like where I live pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, when I found that out, he also had a seminar coming up in a month. What kind so, of seminar? Teaching how to become a, a thought leader, an entrepreneur. Uh, how to use social media to grow your following. Now, mind you, I was just like, I was just a kid, right? Who's who's 20 at this time now, grocery store job. Like I have nothing to teach, but I, I, I took that seminar. I paid for it on my credit card because I had no money at the time. How much and was that? Like, oh God, it was like 2000. You know, wow. for me, that was a lot at the time. That was right? probably more than like a monthly salary, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I think back, like, it's just so funny, like how much I would make, like working 40 hours to 60 hours a week sometimes to like now just working one hour a week and <laughs> just being like, it's just, it's different levels, right? It's just funny. It's leverage. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's knowing specific knowledge that people want, which Evan taught me, which, you know, we'll get to later in the interview. Yeah. I took that out, that, that $2,000. And I went there with a plan, like, listen, I, you know, I have nothing to teach, but can I find a way to get in this guy's ecosystem? So your plan was already like, I'm going to go to a seminar to get a job, pretty much. Like, I'm going to treat the seminar like a job interview, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. And work for him for free. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, I wasn't expecting to get paid. But if he needed anything, like, if he needed me to walk his dog, wash his car, like, I tried to, like, convince him to do like, Hey, let me do that stuff. If you need anyone to help you with cam carry camera equipment or yeah. whatever, like I was your guy. So I went to that seminar and just got to know the people who his workers there who were helping with the workshop, got to know them, got to know him through the workshop. And, and because I live so close, that's where it's like, if you ever need me for anything, feel free to call. So, you know, when he needed me to help carry camera equipment or anything, like he would call me up. I'd call work. Sorry, guys, I'm sick. Can't come in today. <laughs> <laughs> and drive instantly down to to meet Evan. And that's how, the, like, over a period of time of me just providing free value, kind of it it made the relationship warmer. And uh, and then me interviewing Tom Billu is that final step, which we can get to. Um, yeah, a couple of things before that. Uh, number one, I want to hear your thoughts on. I think a lot of people when they see like a price tag, like, oh, it's like $2,000 for a seminar, you know, they're like, oh, this feels like a scam or something like that. I mean, 
but they don't realize a lot of times like the value that's provided, like it's a two, three thousand dollar opportunity. I mean, in your case, it's like a job opportunity. <laughs> and a lot of like it seems like it was like teaching people how to become thought leaders. Like a lot of those people probably created like very strong brands for themselves that's like far exceeded the value of the seminar. But I wanted to hear your thoughts of like, hey, like you had no money. You literally like paid for the seminar with a credit card. Like what's your thought on like investing in kind of like these these high ticket products or seminars? Yeah. So I mean at the time I was already broke, right? So I was like, okay, like <laughs> It's like, you know, oh, my, my bank account is already negative. Like, it's not going to change anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, okay, I take on $2,000 more debt. You know, okay, great. Whatever. You know, like, if, if you're not going to go to school, you have to find another way to, to create leverage to find that specific knowledge and find a way to have a career or to scale your brand business. And so you know, all you need is just one, one good break. So even before Evan, I tried other things. Like I tried going to other people's seminars and it just didn't work out. Right. Okay. So this wasn't the first time. What kind of seminars similar, like thought leader uh, stuff investing, or business stuff, investing? Yeah. Investing primarily and learning that, trying to get mentored by other people. It didn't work out. So this wasn't like me just getting one lucky sh- strike of lightning and me becoming successful. I tried it multiple times, but I knew, okay, if I try this 10 times, right, what are the odds I can get one person that would change my life, right? Oh, interesting. So you're saying that you're going to other seminars, like trying to work for those people as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Do you have any, like anyone, anyone else like that, that we'd recognize by name or that you're uh, trying to no. work for? No, just More like so smaller, niche yeah. yeah, and niches and investments. So, okay. That's cool, man. I, I didn't realize that. Um, so this was this was like this was like a take take three or four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was a take three or four. And if it didn't work with Evan, I would have kept trying it because I was watching these interviews of successful people saying, like, you know, this is this is how you can you can go about trying to find success. Find a mentor, right? Um, yeah. Find a way to provide value to to people. And one thing I want to highlight is like a lot of people. A lot of times, like people wonder how to get in touch with like these people you look up to. And I think one thing that you did really well is like, like buy their product. Like that's the literally the easiest way to get in touch with like someone you like you look up to is like, if you're consuming their free stuff and not buying their paid stuff, you know, like it's, it's going to be harder. Cause like usually what you're buying with the paid stuff is like access, you know, access, uh, closer access. And I mean, just to give an example, with uh, Impact Theory, like we launched like Impact Theory University, um, I think it was like two years ago. I mean, that was like in the beginning, that was like direct access. Like you literally got like access to a Facebook group for like $50 a month where Tom was like answering comments and like hopping on live calls with like, because it was just launching, it was still small. It's like, hey, you get you, you get like pretty much like one-on-one access for $50 a month, you know? <laughs> it's like, so like, I think just in general, the best way to get in touch with someone is like buy their stuff and like also tell them how, how, how is helpful to you, you know? Yeah. And, and that is step one, like buy their stuff to show you're interested, you know, try and get into that community. That's step one. Step two is when you're asking for advice, actually implement it. 
a, a lot of these people don't want to mentor someone. It's a waste of their time. You know, like they keep giving advice. Most people never implement it. So if you want to be like part of the 1% and actually get mentored by someone, it's like if they give you a piece of advice in that Facebook forum or if you're in person with them, take the advice, show how you implemented, get, send it back to them. Like, hey, I did what you, you told me to do. And yeah. what do you think of this? Or they'll be like, oh my God, this person actually listened to me. This is someone who's worth mentoring who actually stepped out of their way. Because the powerful thing is that it makes them feel like they made that progress almost, you know, it's like, it's like, you're, you're basically becoming an extension of them where it's like, oh, it's like, basically, I can just give them a piece of advice, and they're, they're going to do the work and like go after it. And it's like, they're going to come, they're going to come back with the results. And it feels like, oh, shit, like something just happened, you know, like, one minute of my time was like, compounded because this person like actually took action. And so it's like, it's worth it for me to invest that one minute. Exactly. And and then once you do that, you know, no one wants to die without passing on their knowledge, right? Uh Um, And so everyone wants to to mentor someone. It's just finding the right person. So if you do that implementation, it then also starts to become, you know, what happened with Evan was I, I was helping him with camera setup one day and I asked him, hey, I really wanted to interview Tom Billy from Impact Theory, right? How do I interview this guy? And he's like, well, Tom was just in New York at a Comic-Con convention promoting his, his uh, comic book. Why didn't you just fly out there to interview him about his comic book? Because he was at a booth and he shared what time. Two weeks later or something like that, there was LA, LA Comic-Con. Tom shared his booth number and where he'd be. So I figured, okay, like Evan told me, why didn't I just fly out then? I can fly out now. I bought a plane ticket booked a hotel, took on more debt, (laughs) and printed out a thousand cards with his booth number and handing them out at the front door for people to go to his booth number. I love it. Was it just like a business card type thing that you printed out? Oh, it was so like, it was so shitty. Like the business card (laughs) is like, yeah, flimsy paper. Yeah. Had his booth number. Check out, you know, Impact University. Here's where you go. I bought a ticket, handed them out. There were like a thousand tickets I handed out. So I implemented what Evan wanted, uh, yeah. what he what told me to do. Just about also, that. Uh, just about that. So uh, did you did you have a podcast at the time? Uh, I was starting, yeah. You were starting, okay. And so you wanted to interview him. So you printed out these cards and stuff. You flew out to LA. I just want to get into the nitty gritty for this one. Like, did you go to his booth to Tom and like tell him you're going to hand these out first or... Did you hand them out and then like people started going to the booth and he was like, who the fuck is this? Like, what are, what are these? You know, how, how did it happen? Yeah. Yeah. I handed them out first. Okay. So I didn't go to the booth. I didn't even ask for permission, you know, better ask for forgiveness than permission. Right. Love it. So Love it. I handed them out because again, like there's no point on me just going up to Tom. Like everyone does. Hey Tom, can I interview you? Like this guy's busy, you know, like where's the value for him? Yeah. Right? Value so, first. Value first, always lead with value. So I started handing out. There was a lot more traction at the booth than other booths. And he's like, who's handing out these cards? Probably an hour to an hour and a half later, I went there and said, Tom, I've been handing out these cards. I flew all the way from Canada. I would love to interview you. So that really showed like, wow, you know, he did What, what was his reaction? 
he was blown away by it that someone was going out of their way to do that and so he let me interview him for like 45 minutes wow. instead of just if i went up it probably would have been just five minutes right like, yeah and just to give some context like the cool thing about this like tom charges like anywhere between like ten thousand dollars to fifty thousand dollars <laughs> like for an hour of his time you know the other thing so like lesson number one like buying the products of the people you look up to to kind of like get closer access to it the second thing i think for from this story is figure out what really matters to them right now a lot of the times you'll have like a lot of entrepreneurs and i, I mean I, I think this was around the same time as uh, i joined actually the cool thing about tom is like he started this billion dollar company he was like managing like over a thousand people and here he here he is. He's starting a new company from scratch. His team is like like maybe like ten people, right? And so he's starting at the bottom again intentionally because he's starting a new company. He's launching a comic book, which like not a lot of people in his existing audience are like really excited about, you know. And so it's like it's this opportunity of like, hey, I can really help him. Like it's like finding an opportunity. It's like I can really help this person that's like knows a lot about business. But like, is it a point where they actually need help and like need help like for free, you know, or like, uh, like need, uh, yeah, basically need a lot of help. And I just wanted to underscore that. I think that's another thing of like finding the opportunities where it's like, oh, like, like with my limited skill set, I can actually offer a lot of value to this person in this moment specifically. Yeah. And it was just creativity because I didn't have any specific skill set at that time, right? It was just me like, how do I provide value, right? You don't even need to have any expertise in something, right? I was working at a grocery store. So it's just, yeah, it's finding that value play um, that everyone could use. Everyone always needs help with something, right? Even Tom today, Evan today, there's, you know, there's pieces of the business where you could probably help out if you just did a bit of digging, right? Most people just... They don't take that extra step required. Um, but uh, the fact that I got that interview, Tom and Evan started DMing each other because I told him I knew Evan. That's what started like Evan's like, oh, shit. OK, this guy spontaneously flew out to L.A. He got the interview, did something most people. He took my advice. Here's a guy where I might be able to set up a business with who not only I'll change his life, but would also help me increase, you know, my business, right? So it's a win-win. So that's where we established, you know, if someone can sense you have the drive and you take action, they'll help you out. And in return, they'll probably help themselves out too. So it's a win-win scenario with Evan where I came back to Toronto. It's like, Jeremy, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about YouTube. You're going to start a YouTube consulting business. And he taught me everything he knows. And from there, just... Yeah, that's how the business launched. <laughs> so was it literally like, I want to unpack this. Like, so you came back, like at, basically when you were at the booth, you, you you basically told Tom about Evan. He was like, you were like, Evan kind of like basically gave me the advice to come out. And it's like, I've been working with Evan. He's great. And then Tom messages Evan like, hey, I'm with your boy, Jeremy. Evan is like, fuck yeah. And you, they, they interact a little bit. You come back to Toronto I guess like what can we go dive into the details of like what because I'm guessing it wasn't like right away like hey like let's start a business you know like what were the the, the intermediate steps between that or was it literally like let's start a business <laughs> it, it it was literally like the next day I got back like Evan invites me over to his house right and it's like okay we we, we got to figure out something here mm. now it wasn't just YouTube at the start like 
that's what it became a month later. But at first it was like me trying to do voiceovers for audiobook summaries on YouTube, right? Like how people sketch mm-hmm. and then uh, they break down a book summary. So Evan wanted to start help you start a business. Yeah. Okay. It, it was a, the goal in the beginning wasn't to start a business together or was that the goal from the beginning? It's Evan wanted to coach, mentor me, but uh, to start going to business together. So it's a win-win okay. scenario. Okay. You know, he eventually, like we tried little things. It didn't work out that that would fit my style. Mm-hmm. And then he knew that a lot of people in YouTube, thought leaders, entrepreneurs needed help with YouTube. So was like, Jeremy, let's let's sit down and, and walk through my channel and teach you all the strategies that got me to 3 million subs. And why don't you go out there and start applying it to some of these people who need help? Because I can't do it, right? All these entrepreneurs are asking Evan, hey, help me, help me, help me. So he thought, okay, I could train this guy. He'll become very successful with my my mentoring, my coaching. I'll raise him up. And then also, you know, Evan will get a fee of the business too to make it worth his time. And so it was just a, it was a, the duality of it that just really uh, clicked. Wow. I'm curious as far as the timeline, from the time you went to that seminar until that day where you're in Evan's house, like kind of talking about starting a business, how many how many months was that? Uh, I would say probably six to eight months. Six to eight months, okay. And like how much how much work were you doing for him for free? Like like you mentioned at the beginning, like helping set up camera stuff, but like how involved were you with his business? And I'm guessing everything was free up to that up to that point, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't involved into the nitty gritty details, just like on weekends, right? When people are off, I would be there, right? Doing what? For example, helping camera equipment. Evan would do Instagram lives and I would sit there and, you know, answer the comments, answer the questions, right? For people on Instagram lives on a Saturday, you know? So it was me kind of doing, you know, a bit of setup, admin stuff, Gotcha. So over those six, six to eight months, you guys like got pretty close still, right? Like you, you were, you're starting to help more and more and he probably gave you more and more responsibilities. Yeah. I would show up wearing an Evan Carmichael t-shirt to make him think like I'm part of the crew, you know, yeah, like, yeah. again, buy their products, right? Yeah. Even the little things. Yeah. So I love it, man. And all free, no, no paid work. No pay. No okay, pay. cool. Cause the knowledge I could get, you know, from someone who's, you know, multi-millionaire super successful knows everyone i look up to i look up to him like just finding a way where he could teach me everything he knows like and yeah like the debt i took on like i was broke you know i would say around 20 years old 1920 i'm 24 today and things are like you know entirely different where yeah it's just but if you put it to perspective like compared to like what you would have paid to go because i know in college in canada college isn't cheap either it's kind of like in the u.s right oh god but it's like it's like it's probably 10 times less debt than you would have taken on if you went to college right (laughs) yeah so in a way it's just like your your own um college fund well, and just you could accelerate the process. What if you spent like let's say you're getting out of high school? What if you spent two years just trying to find a mentor in a field you look up to or someone you look up to and just try spending ten years? You find or sorry, two years, you find ten people in your area that you look up to, you try those ten people. What are the odds one says yes, right? From there, it's just like yeah. You'll you'll accelerate your path further than someone who's just getting out four years of university. Hundred percent. So, if someone who's listening is wanting to do that, 
we talked about like a, a couple of tactics. Do you have anything to add as far as like, like how, how you'd recommend someone reach out and try to find a mentor? Like we mentioned, we mentioned like value first, we mentioned buy their products, like find an opportunity of like where, like how you can help and help in a creative way. Any, anything else that, that you want to yeah. add? I guess it depends on who you're going after. So if you're going after entrepreneurs, thought leaders, you know, trying email, Instagram DMs, waiting for the opportunity because they're always doing speaking events. Like when is the opportunity that they come to your, your city, right? Because they're always in fluctuation. Like all these speakers will come to Toronto at a certain time of year or all these speakers, right? So keep tabs on your, your, your 10 people. If it's more of a career-wise thing, you'd be surprised at how many like people don't give a shit about resumes. So like just go to the front door of 10 places you really would love to work and just wait there first thing in the morning. Usually the CEO is the first in and first out and last out typically look up who the CEO is on the website. Very easy to do. And just wait at the front door to go speak to them. Right. And be like, Hey, my name is Jeremy. I'll provide you value. Is there anything I can do to help you out? You know, I'll work for you for free. Right. And if you do that with 10 people, what are the odds? Like one will give you a shot of how determined you are, right? So yeah. Just... So I think just to, to basically rephrase what you're saying, in person is a great hack. If, if like the DMs or the email fails, like in person is like the best way to bypass like that gatekeeper in a way, right? So it's oh, like yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned events for, for big, like big entrepreneurs or thought leaders because they're going to do speeches and stuff. And then if it's like someone more in the corporate world, like go to their office, show up in person and, and make an impression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you just, you just need one opportunity. Once you get that opportunity, when someone says yes, like you need to go all in, right? 100%. You, need to, you need to commit. The, the problem most people have is that they're either too lazy or they're just not willing to actively search for themselves. And that's, that's the biggest issue is, Either people think that there's only one way or the highway, college, university, or it's just like they just actively don't want to do it. But, you know, what entrepreneur or, or CEO or, you know, anyone you look up to is going to see someone doing something different and be like, I don't know about that person, you know? Wow, they, you know, they're out here first thing in the morning and offering to work for free. You know, I don't know about them. Like, you know, yeah. entrepreneurs respect the fact that you're willing to to go 110% into something versus just here's my resume look at it no one cares about that those days are done yeah uh, they're not they're not done so the resumes are still going to be along around for a long time unfortunately but what you're saying is like you're not going to stand out <laughs> it's like like you're, you're, like if you apply like 99% of like the world like you're going to get 90 like the 99% results right well, and you know, but even resumes, it's like, it's more so the job interview. Like the job interview is what really matters. So I know resume, sure, like you need to hand that in to, to maybe get the job interview. Just go shake the CEO's hand or someone of the top executives to get the interview. Screw the resume. No, you know? like, I mean, I've, it's I mean, just, I've never, I've never gotten a job with a resume, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but yeah. Same here. Same yeah. here. Like. Yeah. 
resume. I've only made one resume in my entire life. And for that the was Dallas the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. and, and that wasn't even it. Like, cause at the time, you know, when you're 18, it's like super competitive. It was a great grocery store. Yeah. And it was like, it was me going in to shake the person's hand who was the boss there. It wasn't even the resume. Cause I didn't have any experience, right? Like, what are you going to say? Oh, I'm a great worker. Like you're yeah. 18, <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah. All right. So Evan starts mentoring you with the YouTube stuff. What was the evolution of the business? How did you guys, how do you guys start this off? I'm guessing Evan, um, Evan had some, some contacts already just cause, cause he's like a pretty connected guy and he had people reaching out. How do you guys start the business? He wasn't going to introduce me to any of his friends. Um, uh, like this is going to be Jeremy. You're going to learn this. You know, I'm not just going to email a friend of mine to make this super easy for you, you know, uh, especially cause I was a beginner, right? Like he needed, I need to go through the hard trials. So it was me like using Evan's name as credibility for sure. But it was me emailing, like finding all these people's emails, like going on their websites, anyone who had a YouTube channel, like go on their website, go on their YouTube, find an email in the description or contact page and sending, I was sending out like a hundred emails. And what was the, the target uh, customer you guys were going after or client uh, entrepreneurs thought leaders on youtube okay so that was and my niche. any any size specific like starting out no right because it was me just getting the ropes of of learning how to manage so a business, anyone so. that had like over like one subscriber you guys reached out to like a thousand subscribers something like that entire <laughs> now today it's entirely different right but uh at the time like and me like these 100 emails, like me hopping on free calls, like, hey, you know, I have, I have three big ideas for you. Let's hop on for, for free for 30 minutes. Show them value first. And then do they want to hire me? And, you know, I failed like my first like 20 calls. I didn't get anyone. Right. So even though I had Evan's credibility as, as his name, like, hey, Evan taught me everything he knows about YouTube. Let me apply it to your channel. Like 20 people, it, it, it bombed for the first 20 and real quick, one more thing, like, how do you put together the list? Did you find, like, did you find businesses? Did you have a, a methodology to it? Did you find businesses in Canada locally or what thought leaders did you reach out to? Did you have like a, like, what did your list look like and how do you put yeah. that together? So anyone, money, health, relationships, podcasters, anyone who talks about success, kind of like Evan Carmichael kind of content, anyone who's been on shows like Impact Theory, Okay. You know, any like any of those kind of neuroscientists. Uh, so, you, so, so you look at like basically like podcast guests kind of to as a yeah. start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was like it was a slow grind that first year, where you know for the first year, gosh, I made like nineteen thousand dollars or something like that. But at the time, like that was amazing for me to you know start this business and just make that nineteen thousand dollars. You know, after those twenty calls, I got a couple clients right where. They were very small, like no one knew their name, but I, I actually got to implement the strategies Evan gave me, help them scale. And then that first year, like after trial and error for three months, that's when it started to pick up and, and I got to implement the advice. So what was your sales process like that first year? So like you have a 30 minute call where you're like basically for free, where you're like sharing three strategies. Uh, you, you see that these channels can use to grow their channel faster. And what's the next, uh, what's the pitch? After that, it's like, the goal is, wow, you know, this guy shared a lot of value. I need to hire this guy. Those first 20 calls, I was trying to actually get, 
into the sales process, right? Because I've never done sales. I've never done anything. So it was me getting used to the confidence and everything. After that, I really, those 20 failed calls, I I really mastered it. And what what was was the offer? The offer was, all right, hire me for $1,000 US every month as a starting point. Some people are like 500 at the time, you know, and and we're going to hop on a call every two weeks where I'm going to share you know, the steps, very much like coaching. I'm going to share the steps on how to scale your channel. So every two weeks, we'll hop on a call. And I'll so go over the So one hour call every two weeks, so two hours, two hours a month, pretty much. And then behind the scenes, me doing like, you know. Were you, like, was the offer to manage, manage their content as well or mostly strategy, like tracking the numbers and stuff? Stra- mostly strategy. And so the goal was like, what Evan was teaching me was, listen, at first, it's going to be really hard but your your business is going to be based on idea flow. And so this doesn't tie to time. This is tied to results on, you know, how much you can deliver for clients. One idea, if it can make a client five, six figures, you know, who cares how much time you're putting in if you can charge X, Y amount. But that was eventually to get to the big channels, right? But in the meantime, it was just a slow buildup of small clients, small clients. And then eventually I got that one big client who who did give me a chance and I, I blew their channel up. So who who is the big client? I'm not able to say it. Oh, okay. Can can we talk about can we talk about scale and could can you talk about niche at all? Like what niche was it? Or is that yeah. Yeah, they were they were a podcaster, huge in the space. Um like they had half a million subs at the time and they like they had all the content. They just weren't optimizing YouTube. And so when I got that opportunity to work with them, this was my big first client where I was charging a lot more. The accountability was super high for this one client. I even fired some clients just so I could really like over deliver for this one person. I took that person from half a million to 1.5 million in one year. Wow. Um, Subscribers. How how much were you charging them? It was four figures at the time. Per month? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, per month. And now, you know, as as they scale and I implement more ideas, my idea flow gets bigger. And so I can charge five figures per month. And that's when it gets like exponential working with big clients. But uh, I got them to 1.5 million because they were a podcast channel and I blew them up. That's when I initiated phase two of, hey, let's refer me to your clients. You can take a portion of the cut and you refer me to your, all your friends you interview who have a YouTube channel. Mm. That's smart. Like, like getting them on the back end as well. Like uh, taking care of them on the back end. Yeah. And so I used Evan's credibility to get my like first small clients where I got the training. How how many small clients did you get until uh, hitting that big client? I would say maybe like six, seven. Okay. Cool. And, and how, how, how many months into starting the business did you get the big client? A year later. A year later. Okay. Yeah, so that's when things really started to like shift. So that first year me like making $19,000 in one year, that was like the six, seven small clients, right? Where I was putting in a ton of work. I wasn't seeing the maybe like ROI. I was still great because like screw the grocery store job, right? Like I, I quit. I'm going to keep this, right? But yeah. a year later, that's when I really got to, you know, I, I let go of some of these clients to make sure if I can just blow up this one person, I'll be good in life, right? Yeah. Just curious as far investment time wise, like how much, like I'm guessing it was way more involved and like you were really kind of like, you really want to make this work. Like how how many hours were you investing like a week or month? Because like I'm assuming it's like close to a full-time job if you really want to do this right, right? Or or was it way less? 
for them, it was like putting 10, 15 hours per week. Now, mind you, like I had other clients too, right? So like this client was taking up a massive chunk of my time. And the, the value I was bringing for the price I was charging was like, oh God, you know? <laughs> but it was just blowing that person up where like, I've never had a website. You know, my I don't care about Instagram. Like I don't promote anything. My whole business from there was just structured on referrals. So everyone in the back end knew my name because I blew up this one client. They referred me to their friend. I blew them up. And then it just kind of like, if you were in the self-help industry, and you want to scale your channel because that's all I focused on, self-help. If you're in health, money, relationship, and podcasting, I'm your guy. So the key was to establish a niche. You know, people could contact Daryl Leaves and these people who had big YouTube channels, right? Talking about how to grow a YouTube channel, but they weren't the guy in a set niche. So I knew I had to establish that niche. So if you're in makeup, I'm not your guy, you know? If you're in vlogging, I'm not your guy. So from a business model, it was establish my niche, become a pro in these set areas where people charge a lot and make a lot of money. From there, blow one person up, get them to refer me to everyone else, and then make sure I deliver for those referrals. Yeah, and you were very early. I it's funny. I, I think I know. <laughs> I think I know who that client was. I, I'm not going to disclose, but uh, basically, it was like around the time, like you basically. We're at the forefront of this movement of podcasts moving to YouTube and, and noticing like how big of an opportunity this was, you know, whereas like podcast is not very discoverable, hard for people to find you like just like serendipitously if like if it's not through like a friend referring the podcast to them, you know, versus YouTube is like, holy shit, this opportunity where like people can discover my podcasts that aren't like in any way related to my existing listenership, you know. Like people that are interested in this content can find this content and it's like it can take on a whole new audience. And it's an area where the value you bring heavily weighs how much you pay. That's the key because, you know, even some of these old interviews this person had, I would update a thumbnail or title and then it would get a million views a year later because it was, it was a great interview. Title thumbnail was horrible. So it's like the leverage you had. And from there, it was like, how do I get... 12 to 15 clients who I can like cultivate a chessboard of these top clients who will charge, I can charge, you know, multiple four or five figures per month and focus on them. So it wasn't even to blow up into, you know, a hundred clients. It was like me being very specific, very niche. Who has the money in this industry? And what I, what do I like to enjoy like learning about? The whole irony is like everyone I read in uh, college and watched on YouTube, it's like, it's come full circle. They helped me, where now I'm a place I can help them. It's just like, it's so strange. That's the coolest thing, man. Like you can become an expert, like something very niche and be super helpful to those people who've added a bunch of value to your life. So that's super cool. Mm -hmm. So how, how long ago did you guys start the agency? It was like three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, I would say probably three and a half years ago now. Yeah. Nice. And how, how many clients do you guys have uh, today? Again, very specific where now I'm very fortunate to be in a place where like, you know, I have my 12 to 15 clients where like these people are the people in the industry I want to help that I'm passionate about. I can scale them because they have a huge name. It makes it easier for me, blow them up. And, you know, even working with those clients because they're all in the same industry 
they can piggyback off of one another. So without me having to do more work, it's like they're kind of feeding into each other and scaling uh, at the same time, which is really nice. So I'm very fortunate to, it took three and a half years to do, whereas like, you know, first year slow, second year, okay, well now we're getting somewhere, third year, oh my God, right? Where it's like, yeah, finally at that place of where, where I've become that that person I wanted, the whole business model to be the name in the, the podcast self-help industry. Dude, that's amazing. That's really cool. So the business right now, I'm curious, like, what's Evan's responsibility? So Evan basically built you up, right? Like, taught you the skills. Mm-hmm. What What is his, I guess, like, how does he come into the equation besides, like, helping you uh, shape you up? Like, how, do, how does he uh, contribute to the business? Yeah, so, again, every week we're always seeing each other. Um, at first, it started off with, like, Jeremy, here's what I teach you. Now it's gotten to a point of like me more self-development advice, <laughs> you know, because um, I'm no longer at that stage where, you know, I've become my own uh, expert. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have a bunch of data points from different channels. You're probably at this point, like no more than him, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like about YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Well, for podcasting yeah. specifically. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it's more so it's transitioned to like self-development, more so like trying to figure out where I want to take my life you know, what is, where do I see myself in a couple of years? You know, how do I position myself in critical areas? So he, he's not like actively part of the business at all. This is a hundred percent me. It's more so us kind of discussing business plans or, Hey, Jeremy, we, we tested this. You should try this with your clients. So there is a bit of strategy still we're updating, but it's, it's a mix of the strategy we're ongoing where we talk about and discuss, you know, behind the scenes where we can provide for my clients, but more so coaching as well now, kind of making sure like learning from Evan's mistakes so I don't have to make them <laughs> is, is uh, really been helpful. That's awesome. Like what's the partnership like, uh, like as far as ownership in the business and like revenue split and stuff? Yeah. So Evan, when initiating this, it was like, hey, I will take 25% and you keep 75%. Wow. So that's generous. That's cool. Yeah. And well, and for him, you know, at, at the start, he put in a ton of time where the ROI, you know, to spend an hour with me, like it was so unjustified, right? For yeah. his side of things. Yeah. Uh, every single week, right? Like spending hours together. Now, though, it's, you know, because my business does extremely well, it's yeah. now with... It's reaping the fruits now for him. Yeah, for him, like, it's honestly, like, I, I want to do that in the future for someone, establish this kind of business because the the money he makes just to mentor me now is crazy without having to do any work now. Yeah. It's, and again, I love that where, you know, business isn't like a win-lose opportunity. There's There's win-win opportunities out there. But uh, yeah, it was seventy five percent, twenty five percent split. Evan's an extremely generous guy. I got I got very lucky with my mentor. I will say because a lot of the people out there, you know, are slimy or gimmicky or you know, not very value added um, oriented. But uh, Evan was is like you know, some people behind camera scenes are like they're not good people, right? You'd be shocked, right? Evan is one of those guys where it's like, wow, okay, this guy cares about everyone. Just uh. I totally forgot, but like some people might not realize who Evan is. Can you just give like a little background about like, I guess his, his background and um, like what, what, what he's known for? 
Yeah, so uh, Evan Carmichael, he runs uh, one of the biggest thought leadership channels, 3.2 million now, I want to say. I have to check again. Um, but, Impressive. Uh, yeah, he's the king of YouTube, starting multiple channels. Basically, he's very known for his top 10 rules to success. So if you've ever seen a video like Warren Buffett's top 10 rules to success, Oprah Winfrey, top 10 rules to success, that's his channel. So his goal is to inspire entrepreneurs because he thinks entrepreneurs will solve the world's biggest problems. I definitely, definitely agree with that. So I would highly recommend checking out his channel. If you're like, if you're in a rut, if you're trying to figure out how to level up your life, that's exactly what I did. And it's crazy where things can lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I remember watching a lot of his stuff in, uh, in college, very, very cool channel. And also a very genuine guy, like you said, like you can, you can tell, you can just tell the generosity and the, him wanting to just help people out. You know, you can just, it's like so genuine. Yeah. And well, that's the thing. One of the greatest lessons I learned from Evan is like Evan's helping everyone in the industry. So like every month he will follow up. He, he's not working with them. He's following up just in an email. Hey, your team needs to do this. You guys need to update this kind of stuff. He's doing this for everyone in the industry, right? He, he was doing this with, uh, with Tom a, yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. Just hopping on call, calls for free. And uh, yeah. And like, again, like the amount of, money Evan makes per hour like it you could say it's unjustified but like he's in the game of cultivating relationships and that's one of the greatest lessons I learned where even today I still hop on free calls with people I don't plan to work with but you just you just never know where it could lead right like I hopped on a free call with someone uh who's a big name didn't have a YouTube channel yet I said I couldn't work with you but here's what I would do and like I really delivered for them I'm not charging anything. They referred me to their friend who doesn't have a YouTube channel. Right? I'm like, okay, here we go. I'll hop on another free call. Here's exactly what you need to do. Like, and really like email, walk them, like hold their hand through the process. And then they referred me to a big client. I had no idea they had connections with this person. I'm like, wow, okay. Like free call, free call. And it just got me one of my biggest clients. Like you just, you don't know. Now, of course you're doing it because you, you really want to help these people. But you also never know where it's going to lead. So like free value to people. This relates to getting, you know, finding a mentor if you're at the early stages or just growing a business. You just, you never know. It's incredible. Since we're on the topic of like lessons you learn from, from your mentor, any other big lesson like that stand out? I'm sure there's so many, but let's, let's, uh, let's boil it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it depends on the goals. Having specific knowledge. Like him making sure, Jeremy, focus on self-development, personal development, become a master at that. Like, and Naval uh, Ravikant, I think is his last name, if you know him, um, he's been on Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss. He talks about like how to build wealth. And like, I'm just connecting the dots after listening to his audiobook and, you know, Evan coaching me where it's like, if you want to build wealth, like master specific knowledge in an area that people really demand where you can get paid on ideas, not time spent, and use that as leverage. That's been one of the like critical, life-changing things I received from Evan and then also hearing from other people. Yeah, for sure. And for, for you specifically, it was like YouTube strategy within mm -hmm. the podcasting personal development niche. Very specific. Yeah, very specific. And I don't know shit about Instagram. I don't know shit about Facebook. Like, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> that is it, right? Focus. So and being online, like doing things online. 
is the key, right? You don't want to go work for somewhere where you can't leverage your idea flow if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or, you know, build wealth is the key thing, right? Like being a doctor or lawyer today is one of the worst decisions you could ever make if you're trying to build wealth. Yeah, I don't know how it is there, like in Canada. Unless you're trying to build a YouTube channel <laughs> where you're ta- teaching about this stuff, right? where yeah, you're like, like scaling your, your knowledge. My, my goal is to go to my old uh, high school and just like, I really want to give a talk. Like the riskiest thing you could do in life is be a doctor. You're going to go to school for 12 years. In that process, you could fail four businesses and find one that is successful eventually. Yeah. You're going to go to school for 12 years. You're going to rack up six figures in debt. Oh, and you're going to pay 50% in taxes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh my God. So finding creative jobs or leveraging your business online, having specific knowledge, at least for consulting, like specific knowledge people need that they're willing to pay for yeah. that aren't tied to hours spent. It's uh, yeah, it's game changer. 100% man. So the business right now, uh, you said 12 to 15 clients. What's your like? What's your standard package, um, like retainer package? Yeah. So, and this is a, a buildup of the process, right? Where I, I initially started out with just strategy. Yeah. So, you know, if you wanted just strategy, I'll go over the analytics, everything you need to know about YouTube, right? How to pull people on the email list, how to, you know, how to get suggested on other channels, how to get exposure, everything, right? From there, the strategy was also like, your team needs to do the, like, here's how you make a good thumbnail. Here's how you make a good title. And it just got to a point where like, oh my God, it's going to take forever to coach. Why don't I just offer this as an additional service? So that's when I started doing thumbnails and titles for people to kind of speed up the process of their growth. So helping with the execution. Yeah, I charge a, a fee now. So now I have strategy and thumbnail title design. Uh, on old videos and new videos. So that became a a huge play for me in my business as well, where I can offer two levels. Um, And then the third level has been mashups now. And, you know, strategy and and thumbnail and titles are a fixed fee. And the next kind of step I'm taking in my, my business actually right now is providing mashups, right? The video is already edited. You know, knowing what works on YouTube, because I have data to almost every channel, it's like, here's a theme I should go with a title. Here's how we pull, you know, like five steps to reduce stress, right? Mm -hmm. You pull from five different videos, you make a mashup, and now I'll charge 25% of the profits that this mashup makes. Okay, so uh, from the AdSense revenue. Yeah, so now I'm trying to figure out to scale my business again without taking more time from me is I need to charge performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. on these mashups. So that's been the other shift where I started out with strategy and you just find what areas people need help with. So the, the beauty of that is like, you're not charging the client. You're basically like giving the mashup for free. And then you're just like, you're, you're taking a percentage of the, the profit. Yeah. And the bigger I scale up my clients, like mashups become you know, quite a lucrative business. And, and that's where it's like, okay, like, this is how, you know, I can 10 X my, my, my productivity and, you know, my earning potential. Well, well, also making sure I'm not going from five hours each week spent on mashups to like 20 hours. Right. Yeah. So those are the three, three packages you offer right yeah. now. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But again, it was a buildup. Like, right, you start with one and then you... Yeah. Yeah. For the strategy and the title thumbnail, uh, so for a strategy, is it still like uh, hop on the call um, every other week? Basically yeah. a one-hour call every other week. And do you still charge $1,000 for that or did you scale that? No. No, that's now it's scaled where it's like, okay, you know, because as the demand comes in, it's like, again, I only want to work with 12, 15 clients. So it's, it's okay. You know, I have to make sure that for my time, it's going to have to be this price and it will keep increasing as more demand comes. So it's like, you know, who are the 12, 15 people who want it the most? Yeah. And who have the business to be able to justify that expense, right? So for me to work with, a channel under a hundred thousand subs, the price I would pay. Like I tell people, listen, you don't want me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want me bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. You don't, you don't want to pay that. Like yeah. scale, justify an ROI. Uh, I would help you, but like YouTube's a long game, right? Like y- yeah. you have to build it out first a bit where then I can blow it up. Depends on the client, like how big the name is. Maybe if they have 50,000 subs, right? You know, like if Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to start a YouTube channel from scratch, I wouldn't say no, right? Yeah. You know what he yeah. talked about. It depends on name, but usually, yeah, like 100,000 subs. So like three and a half years ago, it's entirely different now, right? Where you started with, oh, can I find a channel that's 10,000 subs? And now it's like anything under 100,000, it's like, nah, probably not. It's not worth it, yeah. But it's just, it's slow increment, Yeah. And then for the title thumbnail execution, do you, do you, you charge per, basically per test that you run? Is that, is that kind of what you do? What's your, what's your package yeah. there? So for me to do a title thumbnail test, so usually I'm charging like 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Per, per test. Per test. And you're running these on like on, on TubeBuddy? Yeah, TubeBuddy. Um, and, and so 40 bucks, you know, some thumbnail designers charge like 250 bucks or something like that, but they don't know how to actually make a good thumbnail. They're, mm-hmm. they're not optimized. Like the simpler the thumbnail, the better, yeah. at least in personal development. But with that comes, you know, what knowing what videos to test, then actually making it and then actually setting up the test. So it's not just me making a thumbnail. Here you go. In each part of the business, like there's a portion where you can't remove me from it. So you can get someone to make a thumbnail, but knowing which videos to test is an entirely different story to, yeah. to maximize the results. So, so you're, you're, you're prioritizing videos that get a lot of impressions. That means, I mean, the title thumbnail change can have the highest level impact, right? Exactly. Yeah. As one of the ways, um, but there's a couple of ways where I'm looking at it like, okay, these are the videos we need to test, right? So some... Uh, I share with people and then others, it's more so, oh, sorry, my chairs. <laughs> uh, and then others are more so, you know, trade secrets. Cool. What What does your team look like now? Because so you're the main executor, Evan kind of mentors you. I'm guessing you started hiring, did you start hiring like freelancers? You have like full-time people helping you with like the mashups and the, the thumbnail designs. Like how, how, how do you uh, scale your time? I have hired freelancers to help me with thumbnail design, where basically I tell them, here's the videos we need to do. Here's the copywriting. You know, here's the kind of faces we need to pull. So I'm coaching my team. They're making thumbnail and and I'm updating them on what I need to see. So that's carving out a bunch of time. But for strategy, 
and mashups, that's me doing it. Uh, and that's why I actually keep to 12 to 15 clients because uh, I don't have a big team. Like it's just me and two freelancers. Wow. And so freelancers is for thumbnail design and yeah. do you have an editor at all or? Nope. No. So it's no, just so two, do, it's two thumbnail do designers, editing. the freelancers? Yeah. And editing wise, I made sure not to include that part of my business because I know it's very time. Oh, so for the mashup, you just provide timestamps. Timestamps. Yeah. And their, their team has to edit it. Oh, wow. That's uh, smart. Yeah. Uh, so no editing. Uh, I made sure to stay away from that side of things. It's more so because the mashups are ideas. They're mm-hmm. not editing, right? It's grunt work because the video is already edited. Yeah. So it's just like copy, paste, copy, paste. It's a bit different. But, but you stay easier. away of any like nitty gritty like details because that, that, that brings along a lot of, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of logistical problems. Like I've made the choice with my business where Evan, Evan said, Jeremy, like you should hire more people, like hire more people. If you want to make this, you know, a multi, multi-million dollar business every year, hire yeah. more people. For me, uh, you know, I, that, that's not of interest to me. I actually want to keep this at, you know, working 40 to 50 hours per week, still making a great amount of money, but making sure that I can spend time you know, surfing or investing or other things I'm passionate about. So I have actually sacrificed opportunity from my business to ensure that I can pursue other things like investing, which is a long-term thing that I I really like to do. Nice. Mm -hmm. And how big of a business is it? Can can you talk about that or? (laughs) So uh, it's big. Yeah. Multiple five figures per month. Okay. Multiple five figures. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not six figures yet? Not six figures. And for me to take it to six figures, I'm just transitioning to the 25% performance fee. So I know that will help it get there eventually, but I'm not interested in hiring more Oh, clients. you said per month though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. So that's, that's yeah, solid yeah, so business for, like- for, a, for a one-man shop pretty much. <laughs> and, well, and Evan always reminds me like Jeremy, like, you know, when I complain about my problems, like Jeremy, like, you know, the, like most business entrepreneurs hope to get to this in 20 years, like relax, you know, like yeah, first world problems. So I'm always, yeah, I, I'm extremely lucky, fortunate, you know, consulting, it's all cash flow, right? But at the same time, you have to make sure that you're keeping clients happy. So there's always pros and cons, right? That's important to note. But, uh, yeah, if I wanted to get six figures per month, it would be like eventually as I scale my clients, that performance fee for mashups becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. But I'd probably have to hire, you know, a lot more clients. And I, that's not an interesting. I like to be very, I don't like yeah. to manage people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, I, I, I totally can relate to that. Like you're, you're nimble, you have, I mean, you're basically a free man. Like, <laughs> you're making you're making a lot of money, and you have control of your time. And yeah, so it's like a very lean operation, and that's very cool, man. Yeah, and so you know, um, will I be doing this forever? Probably not. Which is why I'm also you know focusing on investing and want to keep it a lean operation down the road. I know YouTube will be here for a lot longer than Instagram and and all these other platforms. Just nothing's going to destroy YouTube's ecosystem. It's just such a competitive advantage versus everyone else. But, you know, just making sure down the road, and this is usually why I talk to Evan, is how do I ensure that, you know, I'm milking this opportunity, maybe not to the fullest, but making sure that uh, down the road will be good years as well. <laughs> nice. 
So what what are your like? You seem like a pretty goal oriented guy. What's um like? What, how do you see the next five ten years going? Like, like are you kind of in a space where you're comfortable and you're like growing different spaces like outside the business or like what are like what are your long term goals? Yeah, so that's tricky. I'm still I'm still in contemplation about that actually. You know, part of me has the itch of like, do I start my own YouTube channel? Right, where you know, do I go into the kind of Graham Stephan, Nate O'Brien section because it's like when you see them talking about everything you could talk about you know and you're like oh come on like do I do that I know keeping this business definitely investing kind of Warren Buffett's strategies style like that's my long-term play still deciding on the YouTube channel (laughs) you know do I start that do I not start that it's more so you know time spent because I know it takes a, a ton of time so do I want to do I want to work 60 hours a week and become a multi multi millionaire by the time I'm 30 or do I want to you know do this business do investing and become a multi multi millionaire by the time I'm 40 that's yeah. the question the content contemplation I'm I haven't decided yet so yeah it was actually that was one of the last questions I wanted to ask you about like personal brand cuz in doing research for this interview I had I had trouble finding anything. You're <laughs> um, kind of like, and I think a lot of people behind the scenes are like that, where it's like you're you're busy. That's kind of like your day job, right? Like you're helping other people build their personal brand, and you don't really feel like doing that in your part in in your like time off, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, kind of, yeah, like have you thought about like personal brand much? And yeah, I, I think uh, I mean you strike me probably like an introvert similar to me as well. And I think there's, there's that, there's a component of that, but uh, yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on? Yeah. I mean, like, I love, I love giving advice. I love talking. The question is like, I love doing these interviews. The question is, do I want to talk three, three to four times a week, mm-hmm. every week to like blow that YouTube channel up? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's a lot of time, but uh, yeah, super introverted. When it comes to social media, it's like, yeah, when you do it so much, you don't really want to consume it, Yeah, you know? So that's why like Instagram, you know, you would never know, right? Like besides my bio and something like that, that I actually do, you know, run a business or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, super off the grid. I kind of like that. If I start the YouTube channel, hmm, yeah, it's like, do I work 60 hours a week? And get there by the time I'm 30 in six years um, where I don't have to do anything, you know, or do I, you know, work 40 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week sometimes, right? And get there by the time I'm 40. It's like the contemplation, the struggles. So Yeah, I feel you, man. Well, I I trust, uh, I trust you'll figure it out very soon. As far as the investment stuff, what are you because I mean you have a huge amount of cash flow I'm guessing you're keeping your expenses like uh, relatively low what um what type of assets are you looking at is it like real estate or are you looking at crypto uh what's your <laughs> yeah I know everyone's big into crypto I plan to look into that not as like a, a big thing um I follow exactly like Warren Buffett Charlie Munger traditional investing where you find a great company when it's on sale that has mm-hmm. a great competitive advantage and you, you wait to buy it. So, you know, I'm like, I'm sitting in cash here, you know, <laughs> and when you say for an opportunity, when you're saying company, do you mean like a big company where you, a public company where you buy stock or are you talking about a, like a company you'd buy flat out, like on, on a site, like micro acquires and like that big company, big company. Okay. Stock. 
yeah, very hold true where it's like you buy something and mm-hmm. it has to hold it for 10, 20 years. So it's gotcha. long term patient, long term yeah, value boring. investing. Yeah. And you know, you, you, you're not actively day trading or any of that stuff. It's, it's like you wait for an opportunity, like when COVID came around and you saw market drop by 30% and that's where you have that one opportunity. So it's very patient. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I think this was super valuable for people listening as well. Uh, so much, so much, uh, so much to learn from your story. I mean, I want to ask like, where can people find you? But <laughs> it's like, like I, I'd say probably the best, the best place to follow you is probably your Instagram, right? Yeah. Instagram, just my name, Jeremy Stickney is where you, where you could find me. So yeah. Uh, and then besides that, honestly, like, I'm closed behind closed doors. So uh, Instagram is probably the only place right now. If I start a YouTube channel, well, then maybe we'll, I'll consider that. But yeah, man, um, let's let's chat about that because I, I I feel like you uh, you would crush it. You'd crush it on YouTube. I think it'd be really interesting to see see you rise there. But yeah, I go go follow him on Instagram. And um, thanks for your time, man. This is awesome. Perfect. There you have it. I hope you got something out of this interview. I'm really trying to make this as valuable as possible to you. So if you have any feedback on how I can make this better, or if you have any questions for me personally, I'll get back to you. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is at Jeremy John Mary. You can also comment if you're watching on YouTube. You can just comment below. All right. Thanks for listening and have an epic week.